most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The first reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 50. It serves as the basis for my sermon today. It's the encounter of Joseph with his brothers. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. The brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The word of the Lord. Seventeen years is a long time. Those who are in school and plan on going through college know what I mean. It takes 17 years to go from kindergarten through college, and that's being graduated from college in four years, which not everyone does anymore. Even for those of us who are considered on the farther end of life spectrum, old, who always say, ooh, the time passes so quickly, the years just fly by. Even for us, 17 years is a long time. Do you know that it's been 17 years since the Department of Homeland Security began operation? It's been 17 years since the last old-style Volkswagen Beetle rolled off the assembly line in Puebla, Mexico. It's been 17 years since the 100th anniversary celebration for Harley-Davidson with thousands of bikers leaving the party at Veteran Park when the surprise headliner turned out not to be the rock group they thought. And 17 years had passed since the Prime Minister of Egypt had said to his frightened, famished Siblings, I am your brother Joseph. Seventeen years had passed since Jacob, having received an invitation from his son to shake hands with the Pharaoh in Egypt, packed up his family and left famine in Canaan for feast in Egypt. Seventeen years had passed since Jacob planted his sandals into the sandy shores of the Nile River and pounded tent stakes into the land of Goshen. But now the funeral was over. Jacob had died. 
His remains were mummified and eventually carried to the land of Canaan for committal. And at that time, then, questions started buzzing around in the brains of Joseph's brothers. What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? Sure, he has treated us nicely since we arrived here in Egypt. Certainly, he has treated us well and given every indication that he's going to let bygones be bygones. But, ooh, how we treated him. Oh, 40 years ago, we plotted to kill him. Okay, cooler heads prevailed. But we didn't kill him. We sold him into slavery and then told our dad that he was dead. That was, that, that was bad. What if, what if Joseph wants to get us back now that dad is off the scene and has passed away? What if he's going to get us back? And even if Joseph ignores us, how are we going to deal with the guilt? The answer to those questions we find in today's first reading, which I read for you from the lectern, from the last book, the last chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 50. But this isn't just a story about how brothers learn to get along. It's meant for us. Illustrating that God wants us to have forgiveness as a way of life. Forgiveness as a way of life. It's easy to love those who are nice to us, but what about those who don't seem to deserve forgiveness? Maybe your boss hasn't acknowledged your hard-working efforts. Maybe your teacher gives you a grade you think is unfair. Maybe your friend expects you always to do what he wants and never considers or asks what you want or need. We're tempted, we're tempted to get angry and get even. Or if not that, to get frustrated, maybe give up. I don't want to forgive them. They don't deserve it. At the very least, we might offer forgiveness, but with strings attached. I'll forgive my boss if she gives me a raise. I'll forgive my teacher if she makes the next test easier. I'll forgive my friend if he buys me dinner. Do you remember the first time that you heard the Joseph stories? Did you find yourself identifying with Joseph? Maybe you pictured yourself picked on by your brothers, dropped into a water slime pit, only later to be hoisted out by a rope and handed over to slave traders, bound at the wrists, bumping along on a camel to a strange land. Maybe you saw yourself working hard for the Egyptian army commander and trying to do your best only to be falsely accused by his histrionic, hooker-like wife and ending up in the pokey. And there you sat, scratching a line in the wall as each day passed. Joseph was indeed a victim 
of his brother's evil. And when we hear these Joseph stories, we want to identify with him, especially because at every turn in life, that little inborn demon inside is so quick to get us to blame others for our troubles. If you've got trouble and problems going on at work, blame the boss for being unfair. You got dirty thoughts circulating in your brain, blame the media for glamorizing filth. You got a messed up marriage because of subtle manipulation or high handedness. Well, blame your mother for being uncaring or your father for being a poor role model. If we want to identify with any of the characters in these Joseph stories, we need to be honest and admit that we are a lot less like poor picked-on Joseph and a lot more like his lousy, jealous, conniving brothers. If we've had even just a speck of anger or jealousy or envy in our hearts, if we have harbored that inside or been a little more self-centered than other-centered at all, then join the club with those bad boy brothers. We deserve to be dumped into the devil's dungeon. We deserve to be stuck in Satan's slime pit. We deserve to be killed by God's ferocious anger. Joseph's brothers did not deserve forgiveness from God, or from Joseph, for that matter. A quick glance at their past reveals a path of sin and perversion. Reuben and Judah should have had a scarlet letter A standing for adultery sewn into the front of their robes. Simeon and Levi, even though they didn't use a defense attorney like Perry Mason or Arnie Becker from L.A. Law, got off of a murder one rap. Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher had hatred and envy pumping in their veins. And all of that was really rebellion against God. If they had in mind any intention to try to hit the bullseye of God's demand to be perfect, they missed the whole target. Add to that, they're evil toward their brother Joseph, and you got ten characters who did not deserve forgiveness. If you were Joseph, how would you have treated them? Would you be willing to forgive them? But forgiveness had become a way of life for Joseph. He reflected to his brothers the kind of forgiving love that God had given to him. He forgave them, even though they didn't deserve it. And did you notice that Joseph didn't attach any ifs, ands, or buts? I'll forgive you if you act like gentlemen. I'll forgive you if you serve as my slaves. No, no Joseph wept came out and, when they came out and threw themselves before him. We're your slaves. He said, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. There is a way to put aside and avoid the anger and the envy and the frustration that boils up inside of us. There is a way to do that. Look at how God treated Joseph's brothers. He forgave them through Joseph. Look at Jesus dying on the tree. 
pouring out his lifeblood to win forgiveness so that you and I can have life, real life, without the burden of guilt, real life, without that anger and frustration and envy boiling around inside, real life, reflecting forgiving love to others as God has poured out his forgiving love to us. Watch your God in action, and day by day you will be able to discover more and more what it means that forgiveness is our way of life. If you came in this morning and I gave you a piece of paper and pen and asked you to write out all the blessings you can think of, of what it means to be a Christian, could you, could you fill up that piece of paper? I bet you could. Put your mind to it. You'd probably come up with things like, well, blessings being a Christian, let's see. The forgiveness of sins the sure hope of heaven, peace with God, the privilege of prayer, the privilege to make use of God's resources to strengthen us through his word and sacrament. But once in a while, we might feel a little stuck or like we are going to stammer when someone asks us for a quick response to the question, so what good is it to be a Christian? Maybe in cases like that, when we're looking, someone's looking for a quick response and we feel a little stuck, maybe the easiest is simply to respond by using the words of the old bumper sticker, not perfect, just forgiven. But what else is there? What else is there involved? What other blessings are there in being a Christian? Well, we know that being a Christian does not guarantee a fat bank account or a foolproof COVID-19 vaccine, or good grades, or a great job, or a fancy house. Because there are plenty of people who could care less about Jesus, who are rolling in dough, live to be 90, were the top of their class, got all the promotions, and live in 7,000 square foot mansions. No, the reality is the Bible tells us that being a Christian means we must go through many mask-wearing and social distancing hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I added a little bit to the passage. So what is it that makes being a Christian such an extraordinary blessing? Well, Joseph helps us put our finger on a couple additional blessings besides the ones I listed earlier that you might write down on a piece of paper. Fabulous blessings that flow from a life that has forgiveness as a way of life. He told his brothers, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. After this tender incident of his forgiving his brothers, he and his brothers went on to live in harmony and unity and enjoyed all the good things that God provided them for them while living in Egypt. Without forgiveness among God's people, bickering breaks out and factions form. And God's work through his church grinds to a halt. But with forgiveness, we can overcome the obstacles in our relationships with each other. We can put the past behind us and we can move forward together because forgiveness as a way of life results in harmony and unity and oneness. And think of the impact this instance of Joseph forgiving his brother, had on the Egyptian people who were around, the people living in Joseph's house or his servants or people who worked for him in his government. He was the prime minister after all. Think of the impact that had on those Egyptians. 
We don't know how many Egyptians came to faith. But you've got to believe that there were plenty of them who understood and knew the story of how his brothers treated Joseph and now saw Joseph forgive them. Don't you think that there were plenty of Egyptians who said to themselves, we want to have some of that. We want that way of life. I don't think we'll ever know the exact numbers, and after all, who's counting? But don't you believe that there are hundreds, maybe thousands, who see us forgiving each other and hear forgiveness spill from our lips and are saying to themselves, we we want that. We want to have that way of life. Forgiveness as a way of life results in our witness to the love of God that he has for all, his forgiving mercy. Seventeen years is a long time. For seventeen years of living in Egypt with Joseph, they had right in front of them a reason to be bearing this heavy burden of guilt. These brothers were loaded with guilt. With that kind of a burden of guilt, 17 minutes is a long time. That's what makes God's forgiving love so essential and absolutely needed in my life and yours and so special because he changes us on the inside, gives us a whole new outlook so that each and every day that passes, we get to reflect his forgiving love to others and enjoy all the blessings he pours out to us through his mercy. And it's all because forgiveness is our way of life. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.